I love hearing the honking of the horns and the sound of nature as we are just engaged in the silence. And what I love about it is just that powerful reminder that life goes on all around us, that God can be heard in the midst of the ordinary, that God can be heard in the midst of the daily. And as we were sitting here, I I think about uh, Thomas Kelly, who would often write about that sanctuary of the soul and how what happens here can be carried with us, I hope, wherever we may go, into work, into uh, relationships, into daily events, and we can retreat to that and listen deeply. A few weeks ago, uh, when I was at my Friends United Meeting board meeting uh, there in Richmond, Indiana, uh, this person came and sat right down beside me. Her name is Gabby. And she sat down beside me and she says, do you mind if I sit beside you? I said, no, you're more than welcome. She says, well, you need to be my whisper buddy. And I thought, hmm, I've never heard that term before. And I usually got in trouble in school if I was anybody's whisper buddy. I said, so you're going to have to explain to me what a whisper buddy is. She says, well, she says, I'm kind of new to all this Quaker process and, and Quaker governance. And she says, I don't know all the Quaker alphabet soup, the different terms, the different organizations. So she says, as we're going through the board meeting, I'm going to lean over to you. I'm going to write and ask you a question. And can you whisper to me what that means? I said, oh, okay, I see. So I'll be your whisper buddy. And I said, and I'm not going to get in trouble, right? I don't have to sit at the front. She said, no. So she would write things down and ask me questions. And then I would lean over and whisper to her what that means. But when I left that day, I thought, wow, what a great image. Not to sort of um, make it too simplistic, but I thought, maybe that's what God is in my life, a whisper buddy. That as I'm journeying through life, as I'm traveling, as I'm in places and situations, and I have questions, I just offer them to God, and I hear that whisper deep within my heart, God bringing clarity or understanding or light. Now, that's not my sermon for today, but what I want to invite us in the next few moments is to uh, offer a prayer. And in the course of the message is invite God to be, if you will, our whisper buddy, um, that we can hear not only what's going on around us, but within us. So let's just take a few moments. And God, I pray that as I offer these words, that your spirit, your presence would speak to each person's condition in a way that's helpful. Maybe none of the words will speak to their condition, but I pray that just being here with others in this place will help bring clarity to their souls, declutter their lives, and make room in their hearts and souls for you to be present when they leave. Amen. So I knew I liked Moses when I read these words in Exodus 33. Quote, Moses said to the Lord, look, you've been telling me, lead these people, but you haven't told me whom you're going to send with me. And then a few moments later in the conversation, God replies with these words, I'll go myself and I will help you. I love that simplicity. I love that humanity. I love that honesty. Moses is scared. He's about ready to 
lead a nation through the wilderness to a destination he's never seen. And he's clear within himself that he can't do it on his own. And he asks God for help. And God says in return, I will be your helper and guide. And this is where Moses challenges me. I would probably say, you know, I got this. This is my job to do. I'm their leader. Don't let them see you sweat. But that would be to my detriment, and it often is. That's why I'm drawn to Moses. He's honest. He's real. He's human. He doesn't try to be spiritual. He only tries to be human. But in the course of being human, he discovers what it truly means to live a spiritual journey. And I wonder sometimes if maybe that's where I get stuck or maybe we get stuck. We try so hard to be spiritual that we forget to be human. But it's in our humanity, it's in this daily living that God calls out to us and God encounters us. But we maybe risk those moments either out of inattentiveness or the expectation that God will show up at certain times and places other than where we are. I think I said something not too long ago, a phrase that, was, uh, um, that came by me a few years ago, God can only bless you where you are. So where you are, there you are. And am I present to that moment? Now our text this morning tells us Moses is out in the desert taking care of his father-in-law's flock. And basically he's working for his father-in-law. You can't get more daily in real life than that to be finding yourself at a place where that's who you're working for. He needed to work because he was essentially running from his past. Having been taken in by Pharaoh's daughter, he was living the good life as Pharaoh's adopted son with Pharaoh literally as his grandfather. Now Moses knows he's not a true Egyptian. He knows full well his Hebrew roots. So one day he sees the Egyptians beating up on one of the Hebrews and he kills the Egyptian. Next day he tries to break up a fight between two fellow Hebrews, but even they resist his efforts and they say to him, quote, who made you a boss or judge over us? Are you planning to kill me like you killed the Egyptian? So Moses has a problem. He knows he's in trouble. He knows that he's killed an Egyptian. He knows that his own Hebrew people know it, and it won't be long before Pharaoh knows it. So Moses decides to head to the wilderness where he runs into Raul, his future father-in-law. Now after rescuing um, Raul's daughters from some unruly shepherds, that's what the Bible says, I love that term, unruly shepherds. I don't know what unruly shepherds look like, but they were unruly. He's welcomed by Raul, who then gives his daughter Zipporah to be Moses' wife. Now I say all that to say in that little backstory how life has changed for Moses. One day he's living in Pharaoh's court, enjoying all the privileges to offer. The next day or two he's a fugitive, wanted for murder, recently married, working for his father-in-law, and tending sheep way out in the desert, or as it says, on the edge of the desert. You ever had those moments? One week you're doing this, Next week, things just completely change, and you don't know how you got here, but here you are. One year you're doing this, next year you're doing this. One day you're doing this, and next day you're here. Working for your father-in-law, tending sheep, way, way out in the middle of nowhere. It's as if Moses is as far away as he can be from the life he once lived. So many changes, so much is different, so much uncertainty in his future. We often say to the phrase, to live on the edge, and that means to take a risk, to live a wild adventure. And we might say about someone, that person is really living on the edge. But in Moses' case, his edginess is living in a place in which life feels different. 
So much has changed. A life where the future feels uncertain. A life where it's unsettled. It only feels temporary. Times of transition, change, and uncertainty. Times of unsettlement. Maybe that whole feeling is if I don't even know what I'm doing here. I don't know what this means. At a total loss. This is life on the edge. And it's a place in which we encounter God and we experience a defining moment. Now, I don't want to front load this with too much expectation and too much drama, because I think defining moments can be different for everybody. But I think defining moments do happen. And I think defining moments are those moments in our life where we come to terms with where we are, we come to terms with hearing God speak into our life, we come to terms with maybe making a shift or a change because we hear God speaking to us in such a way that we can't ignore it, or we try to ignore it but we can't get away from it. Moments of transition, moments in which the present's much more different than the past. The future feels unclear. Moments when we're maybe running from our past and those moments in which we feel there has to be more than what the present has to offer. Or maybe moments where I'm just simply comfortable doing this, but maybe God has more for us. You see, it's in that moment that Moses encounters this very strange sight, as the Bible says, a bush that was on fire but did not burn up in the fire. And I don't get sidetracked by the bush. The bush isn't the point. The point is the presence of God in the bush. Moses said, let me check out this amazing sight and find out why the bush is burning up. And if Moses approaches this bush. God calls out to him, Moses, Moses, and Moses responds, I'm here. By the way, ever notice in the scriptures, God always calls people by name. It's a very personal call. It's never, hey, you. It's never, hey, bud. It's never, hey. It's just Moses, David, Mary, Joseph. It is this personal, defined connection that God seeks us out and says, I have a future for you. I have a calling for you. You're like you're unlike anyone else that ever ended up in this moment, and this moment is for you, and it's for us. And Moses responds with this phrase, I am here. That's a really good response. To say I'm here is to say I'm present. I'm with you. It's a posture of openness. It's a posture of receptivity. It's to be in the moment. It's to be in that defining moment. You know, I love Moses' response because it reminds me that I need to be here myself. Now, I don't know about you, but so often I'm not here. I mean, I may be here physically like I am right now, but so often I am not here in many other ways. I am over there. I am back there. I am somewhere in the future. But to be here is to be as present as possible to what God may be speaking to you in this very moment, wherever you find yourself. And those moments do not have to happen in a church or a meeting house or a sacred space. And here's, here's the spoiler. Wherever you hear that voice, wherever you sense that connection, wherever you speak God speaking to you, that is that holy ground, that is that sacred space. And when we are truly here, we open ourselves up in amazement and wonder, and any space becomes holy ground. A restaurant, sitting in your car at a stoplight, being with your children at home, sitting at your desk or in your cubicle at work, being, watching Netflix for uh, 
the, the third time that night at 12 o'clock at night when you just don't know why you're doing what you're doing. And that's a personal experience, by the way. <laughs> Any place becomes holy ground if I'm truly here. To be here is to be present in such a way that we're ready and attentive to those moments when God reaches out and we encounter God. And like Moses, we take notice and explore this moment. You know, the late Howard Thurman, one of my favorite writers, a wonderful African-American preacher, author, and mystic, he penned these words that speak so well to how we can be here in the present. It's like a prayer or a poem. So I want to read this, and you listen. How good it is to center down, to sit quietly, to see one's self pass by. I love that image, to see one's self pass by. The streets of our minds, they seethe with endless traffic. Our spirits resound with clashing, with noisy silence, while something deep within hungers and thirsts for the still moment and the resting lull. With full intensity, we seek. We seek a fresh sense of order in our living, a direction, a strong, sure purpose that will structure our confusion and bring meaning in our chaos. We look at ourselves in this waiting moment and we reflect upon the kind of people we are, the kind of people we want to become. And the questions persist. And listen to these questions that he asks. What are we doing with our lives? What are the motives that order our days? What is the end of our doings? What are we trying to go and where are we trying to go? Where do we put the emphasis and where are our values focused? For what end do we make sacrifices? Where are our treasures and what do we love most? What do we hate most in life and to what are we true? And then he finishes up over and over the questions and upon the waiting moment. And as we listen, floating up through all the jangling echoes of our turbulence, there is a sound of another kind. A deeper note in which only the stillness of the heart makes it clear. It moves directly to the core of our being. And then our questions are answered and our spirits are refreshed and we can move back into the traffic of our daily round with the peace of the eternal in our step. How good it is to center down. Now we don't all have to be mystics, but our lives can use moments of centering and stillness in which we learn to be here and in the present. Our lives need those moments in which we're willing to see oneself pass by, our own life pass by. Our lives need those moments in which we look at ourselves, to use his words, in this waiting moment and reflect upon the kind of people we are, the kind of people we want to become. Think of the power of those two questions. Do I reflect on the kind of person I have and do I have any idea of the kind of person I want to become? And it's being willing to ask those first two questions that he wrote, quote, what are we doing with our lives? And what are the motives that order our days? You can ask that for yourself. You can ask that for a nation. You can ask that for a world. What are we doing with our lives? And what are the motives that order our days? And when we can do this, when we can discover we are on holy ground, the holy ground of our reflecting upon our lives, it asks the hard question. It's the holy ground of reflecting on who we want to become, the holy ground of hearing God lay claim to our life as we hear God's call upon our life. Later in that chapter, God hears the cry and injustice and suffering of the oppressed Hebrew people, and he intends to liberate them from their suffering. And he was going to send Moses to be their leader and liberator, and all this while Moses was on the edge of the desert working for his father-in-law tending sheep, wondering what would be next in life. That's why I say always be awake and alert because you could just be clocking time. 
You could just be punching the clock. You could just be on the edge of your desert, tending the sheep for your father-in-law. Then all of a sudden, God calls you out by name and says, Hey, Scott, come here. Is this really all you want? Is this really all you think there is? I know your father-in-law is a good guy, and he is. But I really, really invite you into something much more purposeful. I really need you in this world. You willing to show up? One of my favorite authors, Parker Palmer, likes to write about living life on a growing edge. Now, I think this is where Moses found himself in that moment on this growing edge. And Parker Palmer describes it this way, quote, What's the growing edge of your life? Some find it inwardly as they reach for a deeper sense of meaning and purpose. Some find it with other people. At an edge where a relationship needs to begin to change or end, some find it in their work as they look for ways to bring their gifts into deeper alignment with their soul's imperative and the world's needs. And others find their growing edge in joining the struggle for justice in a broken world. So I think that's a good question. What is your growing edge? Like Moses, are you here? Here? Or have you found ways to continually avoid life, distract yourself from life, numb yourself from life? And by the way, if you've ever noticed what the characters in the Bible do when they don't want to deal with God, they run. David ran. Moses left. Jonah ended up on a boat somewhere else. We're always trying to get away. Maybe not physically, but maybe we distract ourselves. But God, this is the thing. God will always find me. God will always find us. And how can we be present so that we're ready to move toward those moments that God calls us by name? In her book, Strengthening the Soul of Your Leadership, author Ruth Haley Barton writes this. All of us have burning bushes in our lives. Places that shimmer with grace. And I love that image. They shimmer with grace. Alerting us to the possibility that God is at work doing something that we could not have predicted. So I want to offer this word of encouragement to you. First is this. God is at work in your life doing something you probably could not have predicted. And the reason that is, by the way, is anything that we can't predict, we tend to control. God is working in our life in good ways. Simply put, God is present to us and what we need. And all around us, there are moments that shimmer with grace, to use her phrase. And God invites us to take a closer look at what that is and what it speaks to us. And that closer look may lead us to discover God's call or may lead you to discover God's call in your life. You may hear God's invitation to enter some struggle for justice for those who are oppressed. Maybe you open yourself up to a change you had previously closed yourself yourself off to. Maybe you sacrifice your time and energy on behalf of another. Or you simply embrace the reality that God has a purpose for your life. And sometimes it's simply moving out of those places of comfort and resignation where we have basically said to our life, this is as good as it gets. And God said, no, it can be better. And God invites us out. Whatever it may be for you, we'll only discover it if we're truly here. And I'm willing to live out there on that edge, that growing edge where God meets us in our full humanity and sometimes in our greatest fears. And by the way, before we just take a few moments to close, how does God speak to us? But quote Howard Thurman one more time, because what he has to say is so profound. Here's what he says. 
I hear his voice in my own tongue and in accordance with the grain in my own wood. In other words, how does God speak to us? What does God sound like? Very often, God will sound like your own voice speaking to you inwardly. Very often, God will sound very much like your own voice communicating to you. And when, God, when Tower Thurman says, in accordance with the grain in your own wood, God will speak to you through your very gifts, your talents, your abilities, and your passions. That's how God speaks to us. So let's take a moment to be here just to be present in this moment. Maybe you'll see shimmerings of grace. Maybe a bush will burn. I don't know. I'm not going to try to control it. What I do know is that in my experience, when I have been present, when I have been attentive, when I've paid attention, I've always discovered God.